Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we... <laughs> I don't know why I was trying to do radio voice, but it didn't even feel like radio voice at that point. All right. Take two with radio voice, please. <laughs> Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we pair two... We didn't even pair. What I, I, I had this like dead on the last time I did it. I didn't even have to stop. All right. It's tough. Yeah. That's why I read it. No, David's got this. Of course. Okay. I've seen him do it. Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. There you go. I'm your host, Dave Gurney, and I have a co-host here with me. Carlos Cooper. And Joe Hilliard. And one more, yeah. So there's three of us, as per usual. And we are going to be getting into some big movies this week. Big movies for movie lovers. Mm-hmm. Let, let's put it that way. Um, and, and, and that's an exciting week anyway you slice it for us. But before we get there, we definitely need to get that beer in our glass. And this time we are visiting Energy City Brewing. They are out of, and I even looked it up before, in Itasca, Illinois. Thank you. And this is Aloha Sunrise Sorbet. It is an IPA that has orange and pineapple uh, featuring citra hops as well. So this one should be juicy and lovely. And I'm going to crack it open and start Our tropical theme continues. Yeah. I'm fucking hyped. (laughs) Sounds amazing. um, As we get ready to talk movies, I guess maybe we should talk about a little bit of movie news. Carlos, you would kind of prepped before the episode about yeah so you know we we talked about this a little bit um more in like hypothetical uh that is opaque that beer uh we talked about this more in hypotheticals uh pretty early on in the uh pandemic especially during when the when pretty much the entire country was on a pretty strict lockdown about I'm going to fuck you up. This looks like a glass of, of orange juice. <laughs> um, hey, we say that about a lot of hazies, but th- it, do- it does bear uh, d- saying it very clearly. This one is probably the juiciest looking of all the hazy IPAs we've ever had. I can tell you how like fucked being in so interested in craft beer has made me is that I saw on Twitter, I follow this um, like Twitter account that will that all day just throws out coupon codes for stuff and one of them was for a juicer but the glass of juice that was featured in the picture i was like oh that looks like a good hazy and then (laughs) and then i and and at first i thought it was one of those those things that uh you can have at home we talked to fuck we had talked about it several months ago uh that like the little at-home brewing system? Yeah, kind of thing. Mr. Yeah. Beer or whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 was, yeah. I thought it was that at first, and then I clicked on it, it said juice. For sale at the department fight. store just in time for Christmas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah ne- next thing, Carlos is going to be walking into McDonald's and grabbing OJ out of kids' hands and like, that's a good hazy, dude. <laughs> give me a What's ABV on this kid? <laughs> uh, no, so we had talked about this a little earlier on in all of this, like, you know global mm-hmm. terror plague situation because uh, trolls world tour was released on vod right um, when all the cinemas yeah. were shut down and did really well and so we were talking about like what is the model going to be going forward are studios and you know people going to adapt this straight to vod or simultaneous release or whatever and sure enough as fate would have it um it's it was warner brothers correct yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers had announced that they were yeah it is Warner Brothers yeah um, that well 
they had already announced that Wonder Woman 1984 was going to be released in theaters on Christmas Day and would also be on HBO Max that same day. Mm -hmm. So they announced that, and then a couple weeks later, they announced that they were going to be doing that with their entire 2021 slate of films, right? um, Which includes Dune and like what Mortal Kombat, the Mortal Kombat reboot thing, Mm -hmm. uh, a bunch Mm -hmm. of stuff, Mm -hmm. and uh, Kong versus Godzilla. Yes, yes. the King of Monsters one or whatever yeah. song. Um, and, you know, so this set the film world abuzz uh, of like, oh my God, this is crazy. And mm-hmm. it was going to be for like 30 days. Uh, they'll be up with no extra fee to your HBO Max thing. And then I guess after that, they'll go to like normal pay VOD on Google, Amazon, iTunes, all that stuff. Um, which, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought about that. I, I am sometimes not great at uh, keeping up with our group chat. I, when I saw that, I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's a great reason for me to keep my HBO Max. As, well, as somebody who already has HBO Max, yeah. Yeah. it's like, hey, I'm going to be getting a bunch of free first-run films. Or, but but if, I didn't have, if I didn't have HBO Max, like... As, like for, it would have been reason to sign up? Yeah, because for me, I was trying to avoid it because that was announced around the same time as Disney Plus and Peacock. Right, right. And now AMC Plus has this thing, uh, the oh, TV station, not the... Not the not American the, Movie Classics. American Movie yeah. Classics has a yeah. new streaming service cbs all access i mean it fuck it's ridiculous yeah and so whenever i mean a bunch of that stuff got announced at once and they were changing hbo go to hbo max the whole thing i was like fuck this 15 dollars a month i'm not gonna have seven streaming services like i'm not doing it you know and but then i think i've mentioned this on the podcast before my wife signed up without asking me uh, <laughs> about or without consulting me which right. like of course she's can do that it's her money she can do whatever she wants with it but yeah. uh, i didn't get to stage my protest uh, before <laughs> my house was uh, what did she buy uh she the sus- hbo max the, subscri- oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah 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 uh yeah. if she had been like hey do you want to su- subscribe to hbo max i think we should get it i would have been like fuck them fuck these motherfuckers everyone it was just just cable all over again you yeah. know well. um but 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 she was like hey i signed up for hbo max it's pretty sick you know and then we were like, oh, we can't get it on the Roku. What the fuck? Uh, and, and so we got it too. Anyway, <laughs> yes, right, right. But having had having been of that position where it's like, okay, I don't need this many streaming services. If I didn't have it already, this announcement would be like, okay, so I'm going to get all these movies. I'm going to get like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I'm going to get Curb, every HBO series, mm-hmm. uh, plus other stuff. Adult Swim is on there. There's like all the studio Some Adult Swim. All it's the not Studio like Ghibli an stuff is on there. Catalog. Yes, all um, the this. Yes, yeah, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. And and now you're telling me that movies that are coming out in the theater, I don't have to leave my house and can watch them movies here. that I'm interested in seeing. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, if Dune comes out and everything's fine and like we're all vaccinated and stuff and like we're just chilling living large i'm going to the fucking theater yeah you know yeah but because who the fuck knows when anything is going to be okay again right, like with right. this i'm like yeah fucking watch that shit at home you kidding me badass <laughs> well I mean, so, that's the consumer point of view yeah and there, and there are alternating consumer points of view and so here. that brings up the second half of this story that came out today was it yeah uh legendary pictures is suing warner brothers because apparently they were only warned about this like 30 minutes before the announcement was made. Yeah, I heard that very that that was pretty much how it went for all involved yeah. parties. With but they're films the but, but they Yeah, but they're the studio that Christopher Nolan started 
Uh, and of course he's going to be such a twat about it. Cause he's been like, he's the Eric Clapton of cinema at this point, <laughs> you know, he's like kind of overrated. And I, I think like, maybe the Eric Cartman of cinema. Maybe. <laughs> he's, 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 he's very talented, but slightly overrated at this point and is now like leading and, the anti-lockdown charge. Right. Or, and like, primarily has like middle-aged dads as his fan. Yeah. Yes. This is, this is I actually know. the best metaphor you've ever used. Oh, thank yeah. you. I, yeah. I don't agree agree i could i think that i've done better i feel in my bones that i've done better but i appreciate that well, what, they, what is, they come so, out so frequently now what is nolan's they're... crossroads festival what are we <laughs> uh, no, I... yeah, we'll find out well it's he's not about, at that point in his career it's yet. about maximizing profits for every party involved i mean that's yeah. really what it is and legendary wants to maximize their profits and they're going to do that with a cinematic release except for covid yeah mm-hmm. so you're suing against you're suing for damages that Haven't come from yet. a non-theatrical release in the middle of COVID when no one's going to the movie theater, so you can't prove damages. Yeah. But I can see why, back to last week, Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean, everyone's firing shots because this is a critical moment in what I thought about at the very beginning of all of this. What happens when the customers get a feel for being able to watch first-run releases in their in right. the comfort of their home, right. which we have done for this show yep. many times. Yes, in in during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's been a struggle. But think of the glut of material that's about to come to us that we don't really have to go to the theater to see. It, you're right. I mean, it, it's it's a great convenience. Uh, but you know, Carlos already said, and, and I I share sentiment with him here that you know if Dune comes out, if if a lot of these films come out, and it is back to being somewhat safe going to the movies and or you know vaccines out I, i've been vaccinated i very well would choose mm-hmm. to go to the theater to see that but i'm a particular type of moviegoer how that's been impacting the general public and people who are more casual moviegoers or have been more casual moviegoers in the past that's tougher to tell i mean i haven't really talked to a lot of people in those terms like Hey, when you're watching these films at home, are you feeling like it's the real experience? Or you feel like you're missing something? And I'm curious, like, what what do people think? I've asked some students. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it's been kind of mixed. That there are those students who are kind of like me, who who just they love going to the movies and they, and they'll want to go there no matter what. And then there were the students before who rarely actually made it to the theater and would download stuff and find ways right. to stream it. So. Yeah. But but I mean, like then you get into the subjective idea of what is the film that's going to get me into the movie theater. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think the two films that we intend on discussing tonight might be two of those films. Um, they might be, but Dune certainly. I mean, visually speaking, is something that you. Th- th- I would want to see in a theater, and we say that on the show often. This yeah. is a movie that deserves a big screen experience. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think though that the general consumer is going to shift when they don't have the option not to, right. unless people are going to the theater. But there has been so little product in the theater that it hadn't compelled me to go i just i think to i think to david's point especially as like generational attitudes change and like Mm -hmm. certain ages of viewers are starting to Mm -hmm. phase out or whatever this isn't going to do any this isn't going to change anyone's mind about anything like a lot of people that aren't like theater going people are going to continue to not be theater going people and a lot of people that love going to the theater are still going to go if they can like it's just the the question is that kind of like middle ground where you have those people who will go to the theater occasionally if something grabs them 
And I feel like I just don't think there's a lot of those people. And they certainly don't affect yeah, the profit margin of a film frequently enough because as you said they go sparsely i think for your summer blockbusters for those big films they do make a difference i think i think that's like a a lot of your audience for the avengers and what pushes something like the avengers into like the billion plus dollar territory But those people are still going to go to the theater if they can because i think so because it's such a spectacle if there's theaters to go to well of course that's what i'm saying but like when there's not but when there's not or like a lot of people aren't you know, like feeling comfortable, uh, then, you know, they sign up for HBO Max yeah. and you get paid that way. I think theater going, when, the way David described it, when we're all free and comfortable to go to the theater, because there's product there to see, for mm-hmm. one thing, I there's going to be an adjustment because the big theater chains cannot survive much longer empty theaters well yeah there the, is no there is right. no income the, the ones that have no personality and stuff are going to fail but that's like basically everything that's like super big on that kind of scale mm-hmm. like nobody wants this like lowest common denominator kind well, of product and you know anymore. as i think about it it's it, there's probably a parallel to be made here between movie going and record collecting i mean to bring yeah. it back to you like it, there are those people who have in recent years, found that they really love and enjoy the act of collecting and having these physical objects and putting them on and just the act of, you know, being very purposeful about choosing a record and not just putting on Pandora and letting it play whatever music happens to jibe with the music that you like already. Um, and, and I think there'll be maybe something similar that kind of shakes out with movie going, where you're going to have the devoted folks who get really excited about going to see movies and will continue to want to go and that may open up where you don't have the tower records or the amcs you don't have the big huge chains mm-hmm. but you have more boutique and smaller you know like independent uh uh exhibitors like again. alamo or I, now that's totally speculative yeah living alamo, room theaters. maybe like the mid-tier chains yeah with more personality but maybe we'll even see the rise of, you know, hey, if AMC goes bust and we lose them in this town and Cinemark were to do that as well, wouldn't there be room for somebody who was like an independent entrepreneur to come in and start a theater that would show the few films that were out in, in big release? I don't know. It's possible. Either way, I think that um, the closing of this conversation i think segues well into our next film but before i make such a, an impressively well thought out segue <laughs> uh i was on a podcast with my friend blake recently uh the interview uh podcast so okay i n n e r space interview. view interview uh it's on spotify and itunes and stuff it's like two and a half hours long so it really runs it's like a it's a marathon especially compared to our podcast but y'all should go listen to that i don't talk about movies i talk more about record store owning but oh, cool. um, i'm gonna suggest an audible that we go to a three beer three segment episode <laughs> i was i've been thinking this the entire time because because of things um, this is big news for us the three of us because we are film goers that's what, that's what brought us into the room together yeah and it's fascinating to see that this disrupt this business disruptor this supply chain disruptor mm-hmm. covid yeah 
will fundamentally alter in a ways that we can't we can predict we can guess we can guess yeah. we can't probably can't predict very well Wait, but how we go to the theater when it is all when the dust is settled and we can go yeah i think that i think this is i think this is a good thing that's happening i think this hbo max i think it's an inevitable thing, thing and that covid uh, just fast forward push the fast forward button. i i somewhat agree with that as well i mean i think that it's a good idea to do that and i've thought that like oh i don't why haven't they just always done this um in the first place but it's happening now and one thing i especially like about this hbo max situation is that as i i already have it i'm not going to spend twenty dollars on like a first run rental price like you know we did with the hunt or like some other thing even with some of the smaller films what we did one that was like six ninety nine or something first first cow we did that that was it was sixty eight dollars it was oh it was the um david Ayer one uh, the tax collector. Oh right. Um, that one I because I remember saying I was surprised that a David Ayer film was like so cheap and yeah. then we had this yeah. whole conversation yeah. anyway. Um, but with this HBO thing, you already have. I mean, you get it and you get all the other stuff with it too, and then you also are getting these movies. And so, like, if there's something I'm on the fence about that maybe I don't want to go spend a fifty dollar night out at Alamo with food and drinks and the tickets and everything combined, mm-hmm. I can watch it at home included with my hbo max subscription and for the film that we're talking about in the first half of this episode i would be relieved that i didn't spend money on it Ooh, that's interesting well we've we've just set it up okay there. so are All we right. going to review this beer and then open a Second beer for Mank, or are we? Gonna... I, I think we are all almost done with this, and we okay. have a whole film Let's to do talk it. about. So it seems, David, are you in a hurry for to, to get on out of here? <laughs> we're drinking three, four beers tonight, my friend, with okay. the after hours episode. I this beer is amazing. If that's what if we're doing this right I, now, I say we should. Then this beer is fucking good. It it, it tastes like uh like the pineapple orange simply yeah. orange the pineapple orange simply orange juice it just ta- it literally tastes like orange juice with the hint of it, with the pineapple in it i recall it's juice. from the marketing that when we did hustlers we did a beer called o a o o a j o j yeah 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 and uh, j lo and the per- yeah, yeah. perfect uh-huh. tie in it was great i don't remember that beer but I believe that I'm really going to remember this one. <laughs> You're right, Carlos. I, I just, I'm going to duplicate everything that you just said so that we can just move on. It's like a glass of orange juice. Yeah, that's crazy. It's like a, it's like a mimosa. Yeah, it is very much like a mimosa. That is, but, but not as yeah. sweet. It doesn't have the sweet. Oh, I think it's pretty sweet. It doesn't sweet. have a champagne yes. sweet to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there's it a natural a sweetness sweet. that you would yeah. expect from the adjunct. There, there's yeah. like a slight hop bitterness yeah. in there. It's delicious but for good, good job. Yeah, it 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 is a, a really city. really uh, well balanced beer, and I think the sorbet element there with the lactose kind of you know boosts the mouth mouthfeel a little bit. That's did I, you gently roll the can before serving, as suggested on the cover of the I can? Didn't. Oh, imagine I, how I good this could have been. Well, no, but I, know, I, it's, right? I, th- I mean, I thought it still came out. It was delicious. I mean, maybe that's why I think that it's a little sweeter than you think it is, because I did get the last pour, so maybe yeah. I got a little more of that. But everyone's beer looked the same. And a lot of these can- uh, beers that have the you know roll before, like mm-hmm. store upside down, or like whatever the mm-hmm. case may be with that, um, the first you know uh, half of the can, if you are splitting it up, will be... Juicy, kind of trans. No, it'd be like kind of transparent, mm-hmm. and then the last bit, yeah, all yeah, the right. chunkiness comes out of it, and mm-hmm. it didn't seem like that well, happened with this uh, one. I, well, got, I got I, some pulp in my OJ. I did transport it on its side. Ah, oh, so that, that in a vibrating car. That's what good it was. Dog. Good job. Good job. Peak Energy City. Thank you. Yeah. Also, to go back to a previous episode, 
the um, brewer from Two Toms yeah. uh, Brewer oh, yeah. uh, Brewing Company, uh, or maybe it's just Two Toms Brewery um, or Brewing. Um, I should have looked that up, but contacted us recently, um, and he didn't like our review. Uh, he didn't have a problem with it. I don't. It didn't seem like Tom Carpenter, uh, one of the one of the two Toms in question, um, might be sending us uh, some more beer so we can explore that brewery a little more. Um, that was I'm the excited ca- about Caribbean that. Queen, I think that it was. He says cream. was past its prime. It was several months old. He says it was past its prime. Well, I mean, from what he took from the conversation that I had with him, he was saying that like you, you really want to hit it within like a, about a month, yeah. a month and a half. So he wants to he yeah. wants us to do over, and I I love that idea. Thank you, Tom, for reaching out. I mean, because but he is right when it comes to these hazy IPAs. I mean, freshness is important. Uh, Y'all want to take a break, or do you just want to hit it? I say just hit it. Right. I say hit it, and I, I'm going to go to this because. Joe had already kind of made some kind of tie-in for the other beer that I had on hand, oh, so give I'm going to me, skip I'll do that. Um, but this, and this is an interesting one because I can't find any information on it, but it's because <laughs> it's uh, part of their club, so I don't, uh, I don't know that this one got like put on Untapped or anything. Interesting. But, but this is a repeat visit for us to Isla Street Brewing. We, uh, we've had uh, Joaquin, one of uh, the brewers, uh, on the program. Sure Our loyal listeners will remember that. We've also had a beer that they did in collaboration with a, a coffee shop here in town. Yes, for the Dark us. Mark. That the Dark was, uh, Mark. Three episodes ago. Right. With the coffee mugs. But this is one that was available to their club members who I, I'm not a club member, but I have a friend who is, and he gifted me this. This is their strawberry hey, cheesecake getting sopapilla stout. Yes, this is Daniel, uh, a friend of the show. Sopapilla so, stout. He's on the list, then he gets gifted. I yeah, mean, so, well, okay. I, I paid for it, okay. but, it, but it was a yeah. gift that he was willing to okay. uh, to, to give up. Yes, um, we said the last time we enjoyed a Saint uh, an Isla Street beer that if you are a Mueller, <laughs> if you are in a network where they're getting beers from South Texas, Central Texas, or South to get your mule into Isla Street because their beers they fill those things up. They do a good job. So we are talking. I'm not doing a good job. So we're talking Mank, uh, the new Netflix release. It just came out a day or so ago, and um, this is, and, and we should just say that it just makes sense that our companion film that we'll do in the third half of this episode is <laughs> Citizen Kane. That only makes sense. What many feel to be the greatest movie ever made. I'm very, very interested to hear, uh, Carlos. This was your first time to see Citizen Kane, right? Third. Okay. Uh, David, a film professor who I'm sure you know has done Citizen Kane several, several times. So Mank was one that was on my list at the uh, beginning of the year. <sighs> for uh, definitely getting some strawberry on the nose. That's impressive. And again, it's the sopapilla, strawberry cheesecake. Sopapilla. Sopapilla is a uh, delicious Isopapia treat. Sopapilla headquarters. It's a very uh, niche corpus uh, yeah. reference to make. Yeah, so Mank, it's about the guy who wrote right. Citizen um, Kane. Citizen Kane won one Academy Award, and that was for screenplay shared by Orson Welles and Mankiewicz. <laughs> not Joseph, Herman that's Mankiewicz. the brother. Herman Mankiewicz. And uh, so Mank is about <laughs> not just the making of Citizen Kane or anything like that. It's about the making of the script of Citizen Kane, the first draft, as is widely known, because much of the facts of this film have been debated by 
Citizen Kane devotees since Citizen Kane, you know, came to prominence as one of the best films ever made. And so this is a side of the story of the collaborative nature between Orson Welles and Mankiewicz of the writing of Citizen Kane. But it is well known that he wrote it in convalescence of a car accident that broke his leg. It's well known that he's an alcoholic guy, so there is the bulk of the film... But like Citizen Kane, it kind of goes flash forward, backward, through time, telling the story of of the central reason why he wrote it, which was a relationship, an on and then off relationship with William Randolph Hearst, who is the subject, many believe, and Orson Welles has said is a portion of the subject of Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. William, uh, William Randolph Hearst was the Rupert Murdoch, if you will, of the time, a media magnate that controlled what I think 20 to 30 percent of people in America read or consumed as news. And um, to get you know, that, it's a place of extreme wealth, extreme power, and uh, Mankiewicz waltzes into his life and then enjoys the fruits of it. And then is rejected, and then three or four years later, Hearst is the subject of Citizen Kane. It seems like I kind of got us there, but then it was a little sloppy. Yeah, well, I think I think you were trying to go back and forth a little bit too, like the film does. Yeah, but, Citizen yeah. Kane is a sprawling film. This is a sprawling film, two hours and ten right. minutes, I think, running time. I mean, uh, and if you are a Hollywood historian, and I c- would call myself that, it's probably right up your alley. Yeah, I mean. I would almost go so far as to say, if you're not somebody who's interested in Hollywood history, this film won't appeal to you. The, the, you know, the, it, it, not just that you have to be, but if you're not, you won't like it. It's so subject specific that to not have interest in the subject means you wouldn't have interest in the film. I think so. So the performances, the cinematography, the elements of filmmaking that just tell the story aren't a broad of broad appeal. I agree with that. If that's kind of where you were, where it you is. were. Headed. I mean, when you put it that way, I mean, are there things that somebody who really appreciates the art of filmmaking and storytelling on film could have, could pull out of there and mm-hmm. like, apart from the story it's telling about yeah. Herman Mankiewicz and his uh, making of, you know, or his writing of the screenplay and what it was that influenced him in that writing? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that if you you were somebody who was really, really, but but that's also a cinephile of a certain sort, right? That, that that I think no matter what, you have to be somebody who is inclined to loving film for film's sake, yeah, to get into this film. Well, how many times on the podcast have I said I love movies about making movies? And how many times in the podcast have I said I'm a big fan of Citizen Kane? Let's do that one someday. So you might Four be and six. You might be able to land. <laughs> I didn't know you had a spreadsheet, too. <laughs> you might be able to land on where I landed on the film. Carlos gave us a sneak peek, maybe, that he didn't like it so much. And he's oddly quiet over there as he uh, swills this club exclusive that we're all swilling. Yeah. Carlos, you ready to go, or do you want me and David to go a little bit longer? Oh, yeah, David can go. Okay. David, back to oh. you. I'll volley, and I'll throw to Carlos. Okay. All right. This will so, be interesting. You know, Did you I- take notes? I have a few notes just because okay. there were a few things that I, I kind of wanted to rare occurrence for remind myself of as, as we were talking. I mean, I think this is this is a really good film. I agree. I, I think that uh, that Mank, it's it's a little bit of a tough nut to crack though. I've watched it twice. Okay, I watched it once on Friday night when mm-hmm. it when it first dropped, 
and watched it with, with Aaron. And it was after we had watched Citizen Kane earlier in the evening and had done some other things. And so it was a little bit late. And honestly, the pacing didn't really do it for me. It, I was kind of losing interest. I wasn't getting sucked into it. I was having to do a lot of looking up because they were not developing characters as much as just putting them out there in ways that we should know if we know cinema history well enough. And here I am, a film professor, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know this guy. But who is it? You know. So it that first viewing was not as positive an experience. It it felt a little bit like a chore, and I was kind of scared that. Uh, that my review was going to have to yeah. end up being, well, what is this garbage? Why have we... Did you have high you know? expectations? Yeah, absolutely. Fincher. I mean, David Fincher yeah. is a quality filmmaker, and Citizen Kane and, and Herman Mankiewicz, are, they are big topics. Um, so, yeah, I would think you would only take on mm-hmm. a project like this if you're a David Fincher. Um, well, one, if your dad was really passionate about it, which mm-hmm. seems to be part of it. But also if you were, if you were really passionate about it, this yeah. seems like it's a passion project for him. This is something that's been gestating for like 20 years. So the fact that it's finally seemed like them, like, why would he pour this much time into something that's not really that entertaining a film? Uh, but then I watched it again the next day in the afternoon, fully rested, r- ready to go with it. And having done a little bit more reading in the morning about the like refreshing myself on the making of Citizen Kane and how some of the various players mm-hmm. around it were involved, and I found it a much more enjoyable experience. Which is where I say, like, I think this would be a very tough film for somebody who didn't have at least some interest already right. in the Citizen Kane story and what was going on, and you know Hollywood history and in that era of, of Hollywood filmmaking. I just don't understand how how anybody would get into it. It's not that compelling a story of a character. Herman Mankiewicz, I keep saying Mankiewicz. Is it Mankiewicz or Mankiewicz? Mankiewicz. Sorry, the pronunciation Um, in the. I keep, you know, I keep thinking Herman Mankiewicz is, yeah, I mean he he's maybe a somewhat interesting character, but it's more about the relationship and it's more about knowing who Hearst was Mm -hmm. and more about knowing who Marion Davies was and how they were portrayed in the film, Citizen Kane, those versions of them, how these other players around them influenced that or maybe tried to stop it, this experience that he'd had. I think for me, the thing that the film added to that whole story that I had never really incorporated into it was the whole, uh, you know, the the campaign for California governor around uh, Upton Sinclair. And I'm trying to remember the, the actual winner the Republican exactly. candidate. Yeah. Um, that, you know, sort of serves w- as one of the Herman? subplots of the film. That's not right. Where, no, that's that's Herman, the yeah, screamer. Yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, I think there's some stuff that it adds or at least brings into the story that mm-hmm. I had never really thought about before that, were, that was really nice. But, so I'm of two minds on it. I think it's a really good film. I think if you are inclined to want to see this story... Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to find it there and you're going to like it. And you're even going to maybe, if you watch it multiple times like I did, appreciate the way that it plays with the chronology and tries to go back and forth and kind of underscore these moments in the writing of the screenplay by flashing us back to these moments in his life leading up to the writing of the screenplay. But as a movie on its own and just storytelling as storytelling, 
I don't know that it's an incredible yeah. success as a film. I, I tend to agree with you. I will say, though, that the rest of the cinematic elements are all on bravado. The cinematography is incredible. The idea of a digital version of the deep focus that I'm sure we'll talk about when we talk about Citizen Kane. Um, the performances, I can't think of a bad one. I mean, the acting No, Amanda Seyfried or... She's wonderful. Gary Oldman days. is incredible. Incredible to me in this very film. Good. The dude from Game of Thrones was incredible to me. I don't know who that Hearst. is because I don't watch Game Oh, he was in, he was in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's really. one of the big bad guys. Oh, who interesting. is? Hearst, the guy that plays Hearst. Oh, yeah, he's... Um, Help me. I, I also can't remember his guy name. guy that plays Mayor. It's incredible. a good thing we don't do a Game of Thrones podcast. He's, he, yeah. he's Jamie. He's Tyrion Lannister. Yeah. Okay. Not Tyrion Lannister. Tywin. Father. Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Okay. The the patriarch Lannister. Right. Um, I just thought of him as like the guy they got because they couldn't get James Cromwell, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Cromwell's. that, I mean, the, the first thing I did when I got off of, of Mank was to read all the articles and there is... That hundreds of thousands of words in print right now on this film and how Mank is real and what's not real and how, like any other biopic, you're going to dramatize things and shuffle the cards of the real facts just a little bit to make it more cinematic. And nothing that's unforgivable. But um, the, uh, the Sinclair thing was not just a sideline. I mean, for him, it was... The nail in the coffin of the hypocrisy of Hollywood Mm -hmm. and the idea of Hollywood, the Hollywood system, the studio system Mm -hmm. that uh, MGM is funding a political candidate's um, opposition with Hearst's money while Hearst is with his newspaper system and radio system. Uh, also, also you know, yeah. uh, going after the same candidate. Uh, and then some things that we'll talk about in Citizen Kane and how timely, I mean, to me, the film really is too, with the idea that the more things change, the more nothing changes at all. And how media influences elections. And mm-hmm. to see that hypocrisy. And to see, I mean, to me, there is a valuable lesson there. And so you add it all together with subject matter, that I'll do my best in the third part of this thing not to overdo it, mm-hmm. but it, it, it was a custom-made film for me. Fincher's direction is is incredible, and I I am jealous that you got to see it twice. I did everything I could to see it twice before we got together tonight, but I wasn't able to. Carlos, what'd you think? <laughs> uh, do you remember the movie The Game? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, well, you're the only two that do. And I love no, this will, false. Nobody ever talks about that movie. I love you, the game. You were three when it came out. I, I love <laughs> the, the game. I showed, I showed my son the game on purpose. And I uh, love the game. I would know because Fincher is like a director that is of importance to my generation. Uh-huh. Uh, and when people talk about him, nobody ever talks about the game. Mm. Uh, and nobody will ever talk about this movie in regards to David Does Fincher's talk career about as, his alien as entry? Uh, a whole. No, well, they talk about it, but it's, well, yeah, not, not, it's a mixed conversation. Uh, this, I couldn't give two shits about this movie. Oh, I, that's interesting. I found it so fucking boring mm-hmm. and so um, just... Eh. Yeah, I, I. That's really all I have to say about it. I just don't give a crap about it. <laughs> I didn't find it. I didn't find it interesting. I didn't find it entertaining. I didn't find any of the performances particularly inspired. I found actually Fincher's direction to be somewhat kind of nauseating to a degree. There's like times where he's trying so hard to make it look like Citizen Kane looked mm. in a way that I find. Or use per- a trick or use a. 
technique. So, sometimes just with where it looks like people have like a filter over their face. You know how like some of the focus back in mm-hmm. the day was really soft. You mm-hmm. know, he's trying to do that really soft focus yeah. thing with the black and white, and it's just so cringy. Uh, <laughs> and I just, oh my god, yeah, I, just, I, mean, I just couldn't with this fucking movie. And you, your David, your review of it. I mean, is everything that I mean. If I have to do research before watching your movie about a story, fuck you. You made a bad movie. <laughs> like your movie does should not require uh, like a, a prerequisite course. Yeah, you know I shouldn't have to take Mank thirteen oh one to get to the film, which is Mank thirteen oh two. You know, right. like it's ridiculous. And right. uh, I just, I just, I. Th- and, but this wasn't a movie I wanted to see. Like if yeah. we weren't doing it for the show, I never would have watched. Huh. Um, I wouldn't have even come. I wouldn't even have stopped at it in the Netflix thing. I, huh. You know, uh, David Fincher wouldn't get you there out of the first ten minutes out of curiosity. No, um, black and white bother you as a rule? No, no, I didn't think so. Uh, no, I. In fact, the last thing that I saw from Fincher was Mindhunter, and I loved that show. I thought it was a great show. Um, yeah, I didn't see Gone Girl. Um, I don't. You know, I, I didn't, know, I didn't really think Gone Girl that, was but, as great as a lot of people did. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I get it. I don't know. It has been six years since he made a proper film, which is a, a kind of a strange period, um, amount of time. But yeah. but like I said, I like Mindhunter a lot. Um, but I, I liked The Social Network a lot when it came out. Sure. I thought The Curious Case of Benjamin Button seemed absolutely absurd. Uh, and I never saw it for that reason. And I was very much uh, had Brad Pitt fatigue in 2008. Um, Zodiac is a really good movie. Uh, I think Panic Room is a highly underrated uh, installment in his filmography. Seven, obviously a classic. Yep. Um, so I do like him, mm-hmm. but I don't like him that much. Right. You know. Well, I mean, I'm sympathetic. Like I said, my first viewing was definitely not as warm uh, as as when I watched it again. And I agree with you on the level that I don't think a film should require you to know a whole lot before going into it. However, in this case, it does. <laughs> and I and I think if you do have that foreknowledge, if you if you already are holding on to it, or it's something that you're inclined to want to go and read up about and, and go into, I think this is an interesting um, other layer to that. But you love and I are good judges of that because you and I. I mean, I I I don't know how who would win in a Citizen Kane mm. trivia contest, mm. but you and <laughs> I are you, good I, candidates for. Not being somewhat knowledgeable about the subject matter, mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know what a someone that had never seen Citizen well, Kane thinks. Well, like well, I said, no. somebody like me who does know some Did Aaron, struggled the Aaron first time. Still through. didn't know enough. <laughs> no one that hasn't seen Citizen Kane is ever going to watch this movie. Uh, I don't. Think. Yeah, I think um, that I might agree with that. But I also think that the the, the the people that listen for the movie majority of this podcast are going to see Mank and have. Probably seen Citizen Kane. So I watch these movies in the reverse order that we're discussing them, and that plays a large role in how I felt. I did it about Mank, which we'll obviously get to. You watched Mank and then Citizen Kane. Other way around. Okay. I watched Citizen Kane first and then Mank. Yeah, I watched Citizen Kane first and then Yeah, I wanted that fresh in my mind when I watched this. Because, you know, know, like I said, this was my third time seeing Citizen Kane. The first time was in 2010 in my high school film class. The second time was in 2011 in my college film class, and Uh I hadn't seen it since then. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so 
I hear what you're saying, certainly about pacing and and the um, not developing backstories for the characters and kind of assuming that whoever's watching mm-hmm. it is going to be able to put the pieces together, know who Louis B. Mayer is, mm-hmm. know who uh, Irving Thalberg is, you know, knew this. So I think that that makes sense. I don't get the critique that you're making about thinking that the um, the recreation of various elements of how Hollywood cinema looked and sounded in the early 1940s, late 1930s, how that's cringy. That doesn't like to me. I mean, it was obviously it was a a choice that would that was made here. You don't think but it's I'm, a really obvious like student film choice? No, it's incredibly tough to pull off. No well, student would. No, pull I, this I'm stuff not. Off. I'm not saying the execution of it is student film, but you the think idea the concept. of it. Do you think? Because I mean, it's David Fincher. Whatever yeah. idea he has, he can hire the people to execute it well. Right, sure. So at this point, we're going. We're not ever really going to find an example of something in one of his films that in execution utterly misses the mark because okay. he'll always have right. a, people with enough technical savvy to make yeah, it Yeah, there's passable. a bunch of cool but, shit in Alien 3. We can't really not say that out but, loud. But the ideas mm-hmm. uh, are a different thing. Also, Alien 3, much earlier in his career to be using as a rebuttal to the critique I'm currently but No, but that's making. the problem people have is that David Fincher's Hollywood opportunity was lost with the destruction that was Alien 3. But the fact of the matter is, if you watch Alien 3, there's some really cool shit in it. It's just a bad story. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I misunderstood what you said. I mean, I... I it happens. Again, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Carlos, and I just didn't... I mean, it may be in some way an obvious choice, but... In others, it's like, who else has done it? And what I liked about it, well, I mean, tried to recreate that look and that sound, and and the sound design especially. Like, you know, oh, it was incredible. It sounds so much like a 1930s, yeah. 1940s Hollywood picture in the way they, they did it in mono. It. They did right. it in mono, like like on it was, purpose. It was almost eerie. It took me, you know, 20, 30 minutes of watching it to just acclimate yeah. to that. Okay, this is going to be. But but I think that was part of what. At least the first time around, one of the things I actually did like, where I was struggling with mm-hmm. some of the pacing and the way that the characters were being rolled out, was the technical stuff. Was the technical yeah. stuff, and it was, it wasn't just because it's like, oh, this is a trick. It was like, it was an interesting experience to see these actors, these performers, like Amanda Seyfried and uh, I do and like her. Gary Oldman, and you know, who I know, but in this context, and kind of be able to somehow, it, it almost had this effect of making those classical Hollywood films feel more contemporary to me because it's like, well, look, when I'm watching Wells as a young man on screen and Kane, when I'm watching, you know, Joseph Cotton and, you know, these other figures, they were people just like these people. I don't know. There's, there was something there and seeing these contemporary faces and voices that I recognized but in the trappings of the classical Hollywood film that really felt like this kind of like, it, as much as that took it into the past, it actually brought the stuff from the past into the future for me as I was watching it. And I'll say that there's something to be said for the fact of the education level of the film goer back in the day. I mean, I, Godfather 2 drops you right into the Cuban Revolution without giving you any primer as to what you're watching right. about. It's just where they are, when they are, this happens, it's a fact, but... Back then, people were more apt to read a newspaper. And back then, people were more apt to read a William Randolph Hearst newspaper. So to me, the idea of the communists and the socialists and the the, the backdrop of that election, I mean, to me, was fascinating, mm-hmm. even if I didn't 
A, know all of the facts that I was hearing. Yeah. B, know that I was being given an accurate version of the facts. That's right. just, but that's just living in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, I think, I think uh, it's... A... I enjoyed the movie very, very, very much. But the thing you set up top, David, is the truth. And I don't give it the criticism that, that Carlos did a little while ago. <laughs> and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's not going to appeal to everyone. The same way that Roma didn't. Yeah, I didn't But the same way either. that Birdman didn't. Right. No, I love that one. I, but again, I... Yes, I mean, there, there's similarities. I think Roma is still a story that an outsider can approach. You don't need to know a I'm lot. Say one best picture, but it alienated a wide... Yeah. Oh, what the hell? That sure. thing, I tried to watch it. It was horrible. I had to, there was, I had to watch subtitles. Yes, I, I, anyway, I, I from digress. that standpoint, yeah. I didn't yeah. mind the subtitles, but yeah, I did find it to be incredibly slow and not very entertaining, and so I never finished yeah. it. And I think this is kind of a side note. Well... I just, I just don't mind being challenged. I don't mind yeah. being challenged. I welcome being challenged. Me too. You don't smooth brain this film. Okay, so I'm glad. Sorry, and David, we we, yeah. we just totally no, 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 cut yeah, you yeah. off. I say what you're gonna say. I'll I'll come back. No, I'll, you got to already. You got to. Yeah, now you're gonna you're make it pressure. It better be goddamn good too. I was just gonna say, you know, as a main character, Mank. Even watching it the second time, and as much as I gained appreciation, I don't find him that interesting. Oh, I did. I just I agree. I don't. I don't find him that interesting. And he it, was well written. His dialogue was. was yeah, he had some was, great lines. Might have been the saving grace. He, there. he had some great lines and, and, he and delivered them well. Yeah. And there were some like moments where you know, again, like he's playing court jester at, yeah. well, at the Hearst Estate or mm-hmm. what you know, uh, San. Wait, what is that anyway? That you know what Xanadu, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. That uh, that I enjoyed and they were funny, but. You know him convalescing as an alcoholic on his bed. There's not a lot of sympathy there. I just had the the with that opening scene where he's very he's doing his best Rudy Giuliani impression, where he's laid out on the bed and the girl's taking his pants, and he's, <laughs> like taking his pants off. Or yeah. whatever. Uh, all ne- very on the nose. Never, never quite went that way, but uh, I didn't quite go that way. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I was just gonna I say, it. like, I, I loved it. Watch it. Be smart. I so 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 I I'm glad that you had brought the thing up about this isn't a movie you smooth brain and it's um and you like being challenged. I also like being challenged too. I don't like when the challenge is challenging me to care about the film. Mm. Like I like when a movie is like presents interesting ideas or yeah. maybe it, you know is shocking in a way that's thought provoking or something like that. But my idea of a challenging film is not one that is challenging to keep my attention. And this movie was challenging to keep my attention. It was, it was a test in how much can you will yourself to care about finishing this movie? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's what's fascinating about three perspectives is that they're not going to align all the time. Right. Well, it was, and, I, it was, and it was degrees too. Joe was, you universally oh, this movie up here was made for me it was and then david was me and then joe <laughs> and then I'm we had to watch here. it twice to get yeah yeah there, yeah. there you go yeah and, and it is one that i feel like i will return to oh, i'll watch point. it i'll watch I mean, it again soon but um but will i return to this cheesecake not by yourself yeah no because i i definitely won't probably be able to cut become a member of their club for for starters but yes for for second carlos this is we were warned going into this but by, yeah. by friend of the show daniel that uh 
this is not one that you want to take down yourself, even mm-hmm. just 16 ounces of it. And Very I think sweet. he is completely correct with that because this is like, you know, we, we talk about dessert in the glass kind of beers, and that is definitely what Concentrated. we're drinking here right now. It is now. crazy. Yeah. yeah, but does it taste good? Are you enjoying... It does taste the, good. It does, but I almost wish... The 5.33333 ounces that we all got. Did, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I almost wish There's I could a little like bit drag it out over a couple days instead of just 20 minutes. Uh, oh, no. See, I, it, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you guys, but I completely understand your point of view. Sometimes those beers come across that <laughs> is a experiment, <laughs> experiment in a glass, and let's see if we can pull this thing off. And you're right. Not drinking it solo is the way to go. Now, oftentimes, though, you pick up a four-pack and you get it to your house and you're drinking that thing solo and you got to choke it down right i think we're all in agreement on that here but man that's that 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 was a fun little like pop you know what i mean yeah i mean there's definitely the strawberry in there i don't don't know especially on the nose i mean and definitely like the (laughs) the chew of a cheesecake i don't know if i'm getting a ton of like cheesecake flavor per se but i think there's um, some like Kind of vanillaness in there, yeah, yeah, is indicative of like a right cheesecake, especially the crust, the graham yeah. cracker. Crust. And I have no idea because it's not showing up and it's not on the can what the ABV might be on this, but it does taste hefty. I don't. It's probably like eight. ten or eleven. Yeah, that mm-hmm. would make sense. That would be that would be in line with with what they do with what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's funny when we do these regional beers because uh, I, hate, I hate the idea of haha, we have it, you don't. Yeah, for our listeners in right. Wyoming. Yeah. But A, you've got a brewery doing experimental things close enough to you where we can get your hands on it. And number two, this is an underground network beer if I ever knew one. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, gotta they're know big, big Rojo certainly made a big splash. Right. So, yeah. You need to know before you go, just like when you watch Mag. So, yeah. There you go. There it is. There it is. <laughs> well, I can't wait for the third part Citizen Kane, the That's... best movie ever made, they say. <laughs> when we return. Plot summary. I'm just going to say that right now. I did you a tried, horrible it, job. I think you were trying to do you were trying to do service to both the way the film yeah. was telling the story, but also the story itself. I mean, I think you could have simplified it and just stuck with it's the story of Herman Mankiewicz writing the uh, Citizen Kane. Oh, you wanted play. brevity. That that's why. If you were going to go for brevity, Charles Foster Kane. <laughs> Charles Foster is a newspaper tycoon. Okay. Um, <laughs> Charles before you pour, before you talk about that next beer, David, I want to say this. Patreon After Hours is where it's at. Last week, Carlos told a story, and we said that we were going to see if something needed to happen for the rest of the story, and that has happened. And you're going to hear that in our After Hours this week. So You will. You will. What a tease. What Get a tease. There. It's not even that expensive. Patreon.com slash Beer Podcast. It's less $5 than Apple TV. <laughs> it is less than Apple TV. Um what is not less than Apple TV is this beer that David is about to open. No, this is a, you know, this is a brewery that I've never had before, so a new brewery to the show as far as I I'm aware. Uh, this is Junkyard Brewing. I love the name. We have not had them. Out of mm-hmm. Moorhead, Minnesota. 
and it is their Super Slurp, uh, a beer that they describe as being a fruited sour with lactose and vanilla. There is uh, also strawberry uh, in there as well. Might as well be. Right. It is (laughs) 6.7%, and it comes in a can that is 1.9, pint comma 9.4 fluid ounces which equates to 750 milliliters so this is essentially Ooh, the equivalent of a wine bottle got it in a can yeah so it's so kind of shape. a funky can shape I'm it gonna was go the ahead biggest can at our disposal that's right and now we're going to talk about one of the biggest biggest movies ever made a fruited sour with strawberries and lactose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um are you gonna do the film synopsis for this no you go ahead i don't want to come on carlos uh, guy misses sled. Guy tries to figure out why guy misses sled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> other, that. Guy, other guy tries to fi- find yeah. out why first guy first guy mi- misses, misses sled. sled. Yeah. There you go. There it is. <laughs> New- news on the greatest <laughs> film of all time. Guy misses sled. Yeah. Guy misses right the lost it, youth and innocence and the life that might have been had another man not shown up one day. Had right. his mother not inherited the sixth largest fortune in the United States, and had she not had some kind of weird relationship with his father that ne- never quite gets explained and other had than she not said i'm going to let a corporation adopt him. a bank right so um charles foster kane inherits the sixth largest fortune he sets his eyes on the small little newspaper that's on the ledger sheet he turns that into like we said earlier a media empire media empire uh, has a crazy house bunch yep. of statues later in life he takes a mistress oh, he didn't even take a mistress he develops a relationship with a singer loses his wife who's the president's niece the singer and him retreat to Xanadu the sixth largest private zoo in the world <laughs> that's Whatever a really good is. impression actually <laughs> thank, you, thank you I've been practicing um, it's the, they, cause they call it the greatest movie ever made and or, or they did for a while. I believe Vertigo eclipsed it in the last Sight and Sound. Sight and Sound is always that, the one. I think that was on the controversy last. I time. think on the AFI Top 100, it's still number one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, you know, and why? Why? I mean, that's the question, question, really. Because because everything I said that I I mean I did a deep dive on this movie, guys. I was sending y'all crazy links. I finally had to say to myself, they're gonna get sick of all these links I'm sending. To- David was pissed about one of them. Because <laughs> you got oh. me to well, I'm talking about interviews with Orson Welles and, and, sure, and yeah. you know, I mean, the, the idea of a 25-year-old person who had never made a movie before, and now we've seen some story, accurate or not, probably fairly accurate, mm-hmm. about the writing of the film, mm-hmm. and delivered in a atmosphere that a creative filmmaker would never want. Mm-hmm. Where one of the largest corporate entities in the country is trying to keep your film from A being made, B being distributed, mm-hmm. being seen. Yeah. And, you know, it fades into obscurity because it's not a critical or even box office success. And then on French television, a decade and a half later, it is rediscovered and then reintroduced to America and then quickly. You know, you have a new set of eyes on this thing outside of the fake media-driven controversy against it. Mm-hmm. And it's, damn, this is pretty goddamn good, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, for me, I, 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 like most people that went to college and took a film <laughs> class, that's where I saw it for the first time. Film right. class, you know, on a too-small mm-hmm. television. 
<laughs> and found out, you know, right. through repeated viewings and some a lot of internet research that this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I believe it earns every bit of gravitas that comes with the title. So I, in the first half, said that I watched these movies in the opposite mm-hmm. order in which we're discussing them, mm-hmm. uh, which means I watched Citizen Kane first, and then I watched Mank. Mm-hmm. Rewatching Citizen Kane made me care even less about Mank <laughs> than I thought I could care about it. Um, this is one of the least entertaining movies. Oh, well, Citizen Kane. Uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it is oh. it is a good movie, mm-hmm. like. Technically and like intellectually, I understand why it's a good movie and I understand all of the innovative things that it did and like what it did for cinema, the art form. And so I respect it for that reason. I never want to see it again. Right. I just don't care about the story. I don't care about the characters. I don't care about any of it at this point in my life. I find it to be such a chore to get through it. Um, I fell asleep several times during this movie. Wow. I fell asleep more than once during the watching this, of this movie. This movie gets three Carlos not offs. <laughs> I did. I nodded off twice, and then I'll be. I'll be very honest. I did not finish it. I Ooh. just was like, "Fuck this!" Like I. You don't even know how it ends. I. I have seen it before. Rosebud's a sled, by the way. It is. Uh, I've seen find it, it in a big vat, a big big room full of crates. That's get about to get demolished. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. And nobody finds it. It's nobody burned. finds it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they meaning us, the audience, yeah, the camera yeah. finds yeah. it. Yeah, yes. yeah. And and so then I just realized that I can. I realized within myself, as I was turning this film off, that. I do not have to pretend to like this movie anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. No, Ooh, I I am not. comfortable enough with myself as like a critical film viewer mm-hmm. that I no longer feel the need to display this artifice of claiming falling in line to like Citizen Kane. So, I understand this that feed point into of view. you making a declaration of principles here for right. us. Or right. they, no. I have a feeling this is going to be a historical document. <laughs> Uh, no. Like my have you taught report? <laughs> have you taught the film, David? I have used it at least once in a class. Although I think I mentioned this last, I feel like I'm I'm going to repeat something. I'm getting deja, deja okay. vu. But uh, you know, I ultimately found it not to be a very pleasant experience. To, like if I was doing a this was an off mic conversation. If I was I, doing I a history class, I think I would I would work it in. But from a I used it in the class where I'm talking about film form and I'm trying to get students to kind of analyze and pick apart how the film story gets put together and what different, you know, sort of techniques they're using. And it was not incredibly successful because so few of them could really enjoy the film. Like, they they struggled to enjoy the film on some basic level. Yeah. So then why do I want to pick this thing apart if it doesn't work well for me? What? So it was a failure for me. Using right. it. Now, I think in the right context, if I had had the time to kind of build into why this film was made the way it was and who was making it and, and do it, which is more the experience that I had when I first saw it. I saw it in a film history class, yeah. which worked pretty well. Um, but I had seen it before that, too, because it was just one of those films that was talked about as being the greatest film of all time. Right. I felt like I had to see it. And honestly, my experience with it has sort of gone the opposite trajectory of Carlos's, where early on, I remember seeing it and feeling like... That's the best movie right, ever made? Scratching my head and, and watching it on a small it's screen. It's black and white. On a what? standard definition television, <laughs> where you're just kind of like, 
Yeah, I mean, th- those images weren't. But then getting to see it in the context of a film class where we had been learning about Hollywood and how films got made and how Wells was this kind of outsider mm-hmm. and coming in and trying to get this project made and how he was up against it with Hearst and all mm-hmm. this. that, And then seeing it on a larger screen. And now it was a... Uh, it must have been a DVD copy. It might have been a Laserdisc copy, honestly. But either way, it was a digital video copy of the film. But projected on a larger screen, seeing it in dark in theater with people helped tremendously. Having that historical background, seeing it that way. And ever since then, I've, I've been able to appreciate it every time I've watched it. And up until this most recent one, watching it again just before watching Mank. I found it really entertaining. It is paced beautifully. It, the thing moves along. I don't see... like. It doesn't give you much room to get bored if you if you engage with it. Yeah, I had I watched Mank completely hold alone. On, hold on, go ahead. We watch Charles Foster Kane like dance for five minutes. Yeah, there's a man, uh, a certain man. Oh, that scene is terrible. <laughs> he had just snagged. He he did what he. <laughs> Learned to do, which was to acquire, acquire, acquire. But that you want to be the chronicle? No, I got all you my just, You just acquire the chronicle. Yeah. That was they were. He was supposed to. I've read and their team take in the script the uh, the the full team of the chronicle to a brothel. But that was like cut, <laughs> cut down that they right. they couldn't do that. Right. Yeah. Um. I had the same. I've had the same experience, David. It, it, it grows with repeated viewings for me. You know, I, I think another problem that I have with it too is for a lot of it, you're watching people talk about him, mm-hmm. which I find boring. Mm. Like, why am I watching people talk about this guy? Why don't you show me this guy? Well, you More. see but him. They I mean, do I mean they, it's they, from, they do a little it's bit front loaded with into the, the, the newsreel sequence at the beginning oh God, is definitely front loading. Yes, and that one I it, remember, that's the mo- that's the roadmap, and, and the, here's the map. Well, and it's clear, but it, but again, you know, the, going back to my early viewing experience when I saw it the first time, I, I didn't grow up in the era of newsreels. No, I never, didn't know what a newsreel was. Sure. I mean, I probably had some vague understanding of what mm-hmm. it was, but that whole sequence totally lost me and i thought is the movie starting is this am i supposed to be paying attention Uh what am i paying attention to now eventually once i really oh no this is because if you were going to see this film in the theater in 1941 you most likely saw three of these things right before you saw this and they were called something else this i mean this was clearly a um news on the march it used to be called march through the news i mean you know so right we're watching a Forrest Gumpian parody. Yeah, I mean, of there's there's the newsreels that we know exactly. Like this is uh, akin to, in its own way, mm-hmm. what like Natural Born Killers or other films like inserting a sequence that's like, oh, this is a sitcom in this film. Right. This is the, the, the this sequence is a newsreel in this film. You know. So you know, yes. Once I came to appreciate that and understand mm-hmm. it, now I can look at it. When I was watching this, because I watched this one with my uh, my daughters. And tried to get them engaged in it. It was a little bit of a chore. But talking them through the newsreel sequence was helpful because they were, like I was when I was watching it the first time, lost. Like, why am I... Okay, so there was this horror movie beginning. Because at first they're like, is this a horror film? You know, the ominous haunted house. The haunted house on the hill. Great start. The window never loses position on the frame. Is this going to be a horror film? And I'm like, no, but it is kind of making you think that, isn't it, right? It is such a good... It's such a good opening. Um, and, And then you cut to the newsreel and it's like... Which is terrible. 
No, Whoa, it's like no, getting it's not you terrible. Know, I mean, it's terrible. It, 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 cold water it's terrible in 2020 because we don't do newsreels. But back mm. then, I watched this one with my daughter. I watched Mank Alone. I wish I'd yeah. watched this by myself in the like, I want to enjoy it. Because when someone's in the room for you mm. and she's the one that wants to watch the films that they say are good. That's mm-hmm. her thing. Yeah. We're going to watch the best movie ever made, according to many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Shh. She tried to smooth brain this film in that I caught her with, you know, with her phone up and, and you know, what she does when we watch movies together, yeah, no. that's just how what they do. But I was like having to say, honey, you got to put your phone down. <laughs> honey, I promise you. But and then we got an hour and six in and I had to go out and left the dog outside. And she goes, how much is longer? I said about an hour, 50 minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then I think I'm out. I said, oh, OK, go ahead. Yeah. And yeah. and. I totally understand it because here I am sitting watching and enjoying. And when she left, oh, I just sunk myself into the performances because David, I already done all the steps that you did. Mm. The I'm watching the best movie ever made. That wasn't so great. Okay, let me give it another shot. Okay, let me try to understand what the William Randolph Hearst, William Randolph Hearst, and all that stuff is. Now I know all that shit. Mm-hmm. I'm academically prepared for it. Yeah. So now I just watched the performances, and while you do see makeup lines sometimes, <laughs> you in, sure do in 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 Orson Welles's aged aged thing. Well, in the worst is Joseph Cobb. Leland. I mean, like, right. And I, and I forgive can it. anybody explain to me why the older version of him has a weird southern accent, but the younger version doesn't? Because it's not a great movie. Because he settled into himself. There oh, okay. He was, the, it was always there. Like, now, there was always right. now I'm under from the auspices of having to be this other guy's uh, uh, lackey. Not or, lackey. Uh, uh, Wingman, yeah, right. And right. Uh, now I'm just please give me a cigar. That's all that I want. He, his <laughs> flashbacks and him older is the a weak link, yeah. a weak piece. But it, and the makeup, the best they probably could have done in 1940. Yeah, but the performance in this movie, and 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 when he trashes Susan Alexander's room when yeah. she finally leaves, mm-hmm. and he's doing it as an old man. I mean, they call him the boy genius, and he was a genius, and I got obsessed with him after I watched that movie. I did a deep, deep dive. I watched. I must have watched every Dick Cavett interview I ever did, every, and every, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. every question is asked of him is of Citizen Kane. And yeah. you watch through the years his story evolve and his yeah. story shift and change. Mm-hmm. And that's where I am with this film. I, I the pedigree is earned. Carlos, you'll have to we'll have to drag you to Alamo when we're open again and they're showing it on the big screen and I'll <laughs> put the right beer in your hand and Well, I mean I had a similar like the fourth relation- time's the charm, Carlos. The fourth time's the charm. <laughs> I had a similar relationship with it that y'all did, like the first time I saw it, I didn't like it mm-hmm. very much. And I was like, this is the greatest film of all time? Like, what are you guys talking about? The second time I saw it, I was like, no, this is actually a really good film. Mm-hmm. And then this time that I saw it, I'm like, it is a good film, but it is a film that I utterly do not give a shit about. Right. Mm-hmm. And that I do not enjoy watching, that I do not find entertaining. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what it is. Well, it's not that I think... I mean, I, I know I made a joke that it's a bad movie a second ago, and it's not really a bad movie. It's just mm-hmm. not a very good one either. Like, uh, to me, I, I am no longer um, impressed with movies that have, like, incredible technical achievements in them. 
but little entertainment value, I, at this point in my life, think that if your story isn't that captivating and you can't hold my attention, which holding my attention isn't like a hard thing to, I'm not a Gen Zer, you know, like mm. I have some, de- <laughs> I have some degree of attention span. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh you gosh, are just, are, are the millennials going after Gen Zers already? Well, is no, but, but, but like I, you know, his I, problem is narcolepsy. <laughs> I gr- I mean you know I grew up with dial up and stuff like that like I haven't always had a blazing fast computer right, in my right, pocket right. at all times like yeah. I haven't always had you know the timelines and news feeds of Twitter and Facebook and uh-huh. Instagram like you yeah. know I had time as a child to develop some degree of attention span before right. those things happen and so like I can watch you know things that are not MTV edited, you mm-hmm. know, of these lightning fast cuts and everything like that. Yeah. Like I can watch long takes. Like I loved Birdman. That's all like one take or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, I I do truly. Believe You're this. justifying not loving the greatest film of all time right now. Yeah, I truly believe that it is a film that in 2020, at the point we are at in society is utterly devoid of entertainment value and there is no oh, amount yeah, that's not there's the no amount no, of okay. like backstory well, and see, like I, research that I can do that's gonna make I will me care say, I mean to to argue against that it has no value in in this day and age. I found I didn't say no value. I said no entertainment value. No okay, no entertainment value. Well I found it very engrossing this time from the standpoint of it's it's been a few years since I've watched it and lately it not that it shouldn't have dawned on me earlier, but just recently, it's it's really sort of sort of been like a, I don't even know how to put it, but something that I've I've returned to thinking about a lot recently about like these people who uh, accumulate vast wealth mm-hmm. and then never seem satisfied by it, right? Like your Jeff Bezos's, mm-hmm. right? I think it's because in the era of COVID, we've had all these multi billionaires turn even into richer. an even bigger multi billionaire, yeah. right? And in, in, in this. And sitting in their castles on top of the hill. And there's something about the Kane story or this thinly veiled version of the William Randolph Hearst story that really does about as good as any movie I've ever seen or any story I've ever read in any medium get me into that. Well, what is it that actually drives a person to accumulating and and sort of or, or holding on to this vast wealth. Like, what is he doing with it? Like, on the surface, he says he wants to help the common man. On the surface, he's saying... Well, he, the, the principles. The, he, the yeah. idea that there are principles, but they are to ultimately be ignored and torn apart. Right. But, you know, so what is it that drives him? And it's, it's at its core, it's this deep, dark emptiness that mm-hmm. this guy is experiencing. And, and in this case, the, the film pins it on loved. his childhood and this fact that he didn't get the love from his mother that he wanted or that, you know, that maybe he on some unconscious level needed, but, um, you know, and, and so that left him with a gaping hole, but there could be other things that did that. Right. I mean, that's just the solution. So so we like, so we like this movie because it humanizes our capitalist overlords. No, not, (laughs) no, not humanizes. I mean, I mean, it makes us well, sympathize with our capitalist unless no, it's someone feel, with no, no, mega no, 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 wealth. No, 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 don't get it twisted. I'm not saying I uh, come out of the film say, like feeling, oh, Charles Foster Kane, how sad. No, that's not how I feel about it. <laughs> it gives me insight into how does that happen? How does that cancer grow in the human body? Yeah, and that's, especially that's when you've got the things that we, we believe that we're supposed to want. Yeah. Wealth. 
Mm-hmm. The desire to to chase wealth. Well, this guy had all the wealth that there was to have, right? Yeah. Except for five other people in America, and he's still <laughs> empty. So we, as the common man, meaning we don't own twenty five percent of the entire world sculpture market, can also identify with the same thing. That at the core, we want community. We want. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he wants community, right? I mean, he he wants people to he he wants people. Community was the undying, first in a list. No, he, I understand. He wants their undying devotion. He wants his mother not to have done what she right, did. Right. Well, that's yeah. Without even, even if I'm poor it. and destitute with that crazy dad. Yeah. I'm going to get you away from him. You'll never be allowed to touch him again. You know? yeah, right. and, and her motives were as pure as they could be given the circumstances that she had. Right. But... Well, are they though? I mean, I, the, the, the funny thing about... And I love well, that you know, With her wealth, she I love that sequence. That but yes, yeah, right. Yeah. With the money she had, she could have just divorced the dad, yeah. moved to New York City herself, set them up in a huge palatial estate, and she could have, and she could have even hired Thatcher to, to be like his uh, financial tutor mm-hmm. if she really wanted that. But... But no, she decided to ship him off and and sort of you know send him for others to deal with. The idea that this movie explores and gives us insight into a not technically orphaned, but like kind of voluntarily yeah. orphaned, like mega bajillionaire, mm-hmm. and gives us insight into like what made him the way that he is is like the Virgin Suicides trying to explore why <laughs> this group of girls who are you know, utterly tormented by their overlord authoritarian mother would have done what they did. It's like so fucking obvious yeah, but why if, this guy is the way that he is. I don't know. That, like, Charles, I don't need two hours for, of you exploring well, that to figure that it's, out. It's mm, obvious if you've watched Citizen Kane. It's, it's obvious, obvious if you've can... lived any time at all under a capital, the capitalist regime no, that we have. Because, like, I mean, no, because he has what we all want. He has everything he wants. He can buy anything he wants. He can Yes, it, exactly. But the, just an even brief like rudimentary analysis of why somebody would have an extraordinary amount of wealth and still continue to seek even more extraordinary amounts of wealth would oh, you lead you to, to this so. conclusion like of just like what makes somebody uh, like this way it's because they're empty and inhuman yeah but that, that's, like, very, that's I mean, a very binary code for humans that we know what on or off each human is just like I mean ev- obviously they do a really good job with uh, the flash Flashbacks and the narr- the the the, the um, reporter based yeah like there's obviously some nuance. not exactly probably correct because all of these witnesses are are are, are not super trustworthy yeah trustworthy right. witnesses but we're getting different pieces of the puzzle and a forward and a backward that then you start talking about the what it did to cinema pulp fiction wouldn't have happened without citizen Kane. you know, you know like the, the the back and forth narrative that's an interesting uh, why do you say that why do you make that specific comparison? i'm just saying that it while citizen kane wasn't what well, okay, while there was a lot of technical achievement in citizen kane that may not have been done before what citizen kane did more than anything was put them all into one basket and so a lot of the things that we see in cinema today and ever since are largely attributed to this movie. So, Birth of a Nation is still a great movie. movie. Mm-hmm. By the same criteria. Well, it's a comp- it, it, it well, is, it, yes. It's a film worthy of historical study. Yes, that. I, which is exactly how I feel about Citizen Kane, but it's not a good movie. 
Uh, we just we're just we're just going to disagree on this well, one. I'm just going to chalk it up to your the wet behind the ears youth. Go ahead. <laughs> I wish that I was young enough still that you could say that, and it really holds. Well, anyway, take it, you know, for the but, purposes of the yeah. show, it's always a good default. Yeah, <laughs> it, Carlos is the young dumb one. I think it's an yeah. important. I think it's an important film, and I I don't, I don't believe I think, that at all. I think everybody it. that has any interest in film should see it mm-hmm. but, but nobody should feel uh, but just obligated once. to love it but it, just know, once I, carlos from from the from the perspective of i am absolutely a believer in we should not be forced to appreciate anything that we don't actually appreciate i mean there, there i nobody should feel any pressure to say that Citizen Kane is a favorite film unless they truly feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that I would never want to pressure somebody to say that Radiohead was their favorite band just because hey, Radiohead too. Well, well, there you subject. go. Look, let's see, we're getting to check a lot off the list this time. <laughs> um, you know, I I don't want to feel compelled to like things just to like them because I feel obligated because culturally they've been put on some kind of pedestal. Critical consensus. And I appreciate that you're bringing that in because. You know, it's a good reminder that even the greatest film of all time can easily be, um, you know, somebody else's most boring chore of a movie to have to rewatch for mm-hmm. a podcast. <laughs> you know, and so I, and, and I, I didn't expect that. I'll be honest, I didn't. Yeah. Ex- I didn't expect that. Right. Like, because I feel that way. The older the films are, like for me, Intolerance and Birth of a Nation. The racist content aside, uh, um, why was that? Because <laughs> <Did you laugh? laughs> we all know it's the racist content he goes for. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Love American history. Love that racism. Um, they are chores to get through because we are so removed from the cinematic style that that it was. Okay. Yeah. So, so racist content aside, we're going to look at it as an historical document. Mm-hmm. They're still difficult to watch because it's so far removed from what I know a mm-hmm. movie experience to be. Can I appreciate them in all their historical glory? I certainly can. Do I believe that a student of film or an encyclopedia person like myself of film should see all of those so that you can, A, check them off of a list, B, fully fill in every blank of the kaleidoscope of what cinema is mm-hmm. and was? Yes. Citizen Kane, though, does more than just a check mark. I understand the narrative structure, and so do you, Carlos. Let me say that a different way. I appreciate the narrative structure and the story that it tells, the performances that are given, and, of course, all the um, technical uh, technical marvels of it. I mean, the narrative structure is technically... A part of it, mm-hmm. what is technically so proficient, like great, proficient, and innovative about it. I mean, it's my understanding that this type of nonlinear telling of a story wasn't incredibly commonplace at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong in that? What did he call no. it? A, 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 a the narrative of this is like a cinnamon roll. Yeah, it's not in, A in to Mank, B linear talk, yeah, right. in Mank. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's 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 twisted. Right, but still a complete product. Right, uh, and and I think Mank did as good a job as it might have been able to, demonstrating that same narrative structure. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I th- different I, but the same. 
Yes. I mean, there, there's similarities. There's different. I mean, in, in Mank, you're not dealing as much with the unreliable narrators. I mean, that that's a very specific piece of Citizen Kane mm-hmm. um, that, you know, pe- people will obsess over mm-hmm. for good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm totally, uh, I'm, I'm glad we've had the conversation we have because I think it's, I think it's the one that our listeners need to hear that that, that it's okay if you don't love Citizen Kane. In fact, if you hate but it, not if you don't like the Godfather and Godfather right. Part Two. Now we're gonna have a serious problem. <laughs> Everyone knows Godfather Three is the best in the trilogy. The last in the trilogy. Joe has made it. Joe has made it abundantly clear that if you don't love Godfather Three, that you can just get the mm-hmm. fuck out. So, <laughs> in fact, unsubscribe. We, we have talked about doing that new recut of, of Godfather Three and trying to pair it oh, with yeah. a, of all three. That that uh, right? I've, no, he recut oh, just a, just Godfather. Oh, Father I three. Didn't know that. I've heard it okay. save Sophia Coppola's performance. Yeah, like oh. yeah. In other words, the you know how these things go. Francis Ford Coppola, the cut I always intended on you seeing. Right. I wouldn't mind revisiting that because all jokes aside, Godfather Three. I've only seen it one time, and it yeah. was such a disappointment that I never wanted to revisit it again. Mm, there may be an opportunity. Maybe so. Maybe Finch will recut Mank in thirty four years. <laughs> Carlos will have to the, revisit the it. Three and fall hour in love. fifty minute cut of yeah, Mank. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if we need that. But well, uh, now we got one more beer to talk about. We sure do. Yeah, this uh, you know what better beer to pair with Citizen Kane than Junkyard Brewing Super Slurp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big can, though. Uh, it, it is big can. <laughs> too loud. Big movie, big can. Yeah, it, it's tasty. I mean, it's funny though. You know, having the beers that we've had on this episode. Have been outstanding uh, in in various ways. I mean that that Energy City, uh, the the what was it called the Aloha Sunrise Sorbet IPA, fantastic. So over the top in its juiciness. Um, yes, that is accurate. That strawberry cheesecake, so decadent, so rich, so lush. This one, comparatively. Feels really light and effervescent. Yeah. Although as I'm drinking it, I'm realizing no, this is six point seven percent. You know, strawberry slurp. It, it's it's still it's got pretty some hefty. tartness yeah. to it and stuff. It's, I'm gonna say a, yeah, a, a nice chance, a nice change of pace, and a mm. very interesting profile of the three beers. Super slurp. We might have disagreed on two of the films, but I, I'm gonna agree with you here, David. All three of these beers tonight were stellar in mm. their own way, and none of them contradicted one another, which is sometimes a problem on the show. We true, have something true, so true, good true, in the true. first half that the second half is going to pale by just comparison. Right. These are three great beers. This Junkyard Brewing I want to know so much more about mm. out of Minnesota. This um, Super Slurp is a series that they do. We got the strawberry right. version of it. And I'm going to say we are three for three. What a great beer. I agree. I mean, I, I'm glad. Thank God we had some good beers on this episode. Otherwise, I would have. <laughs> it's the only thing that got you through. And that, the movie's got you some good naps, though. That bro. and great naps. And the uh, that I didn't fall asleep during Mink. Lingering feeling of success from Deeds and Pirates last week. Yeah, a high point for the show, yeah. I would say. Like, Thank God I saw Pirates. <laughs> I can suffer through these two horrible films. Right. I, 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 talk, I, I talked. I talked a lot more about Mister Deeds in therapy today than I ever thought that I would. <laughs> Did you show the therapist your foot? 
Uh, we're still we're still doing virtual, uh, so we uh, we're not in person for because I, I actually I don't know I don't know if we I guess we didn't talk about this on the episode. I was so inspired by Mr. Deeds that I uh, sub- a pizza store submerged my foot in ice uh, long enough to give myself frostbite, so my foot is oh, now black wow. because I was so inspired by the character wow. Mr. Deeds. Uh, hmm. And yeah, so I, I didn't get to show her that. We did talk about it a lot, though. Nice. She said, uh, uh, I don't, "You might want to want to think about that decision." <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know. I think I, I think I made a good choice. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, tangent rabbit hole uh, that we will not discuss again. Um, so, the shot when she's singing the opera and they pan, or the, pan is not correct. They just. They pedestal up. up. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you know, there's wipes there if you've done any, any of the research. There's a model in between the mm-hmm. actors on the bottom and the action. And they go up to the two stagehands looking down, and one of them just like pinches his nose. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful shot in a beautiful film. Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, mm. have we ever, have you, the listener, ever had anything from Junkyard or um, what is that? Engine? Energy City. Energy City. Uh, or Isla. Or Isla, uh, have you suffered through either of these two movies? <laughs> uh, or have you enjoyed yourself? Or, or have you enjoyed Where either of these Where do they send the movies? hate mail directed to you, Carlos? <laughs> you can send it to 4233 South Alameda Street, Corpus Christi, Texas, 78412. Um, I would love your hate mail. I, I feed off of it. I thrive in your hatred. It makes him stronger. Uh, you can find us and yell at us on social media, or yell at me on social media, uh, or any of us really you can you can side with me if you want i know you feel it deep in your bones uh twitter at beer movie show instagram at beer and a movie facebook.com slash beer and movie tx beer and movie podcast.com has a link to listen to all of our past episodes absolutely for free and you can become a patreon member and get a bonus episode every single week for only five dollars a month you can donate less if you'd like but you won't get that bonus episode or you can donate more and feel really good about yourself uh for helping us out uh it's uh, Last week's bonus episode was a doozy. I don't expect anything less from this week. Um, I also have my own personal pluggables uh, happening right now. You can... uh, The intermission music between the two segments uh, is music that I make um, in this episode. That's not the case in all episodes, but it is in this episode. And if you like that, you can buy an entire cassette tape worth of that instrumental Ooh. music. Hybrid Records or HybridRecordsTX.com. Go to the Hybrid Originals tab, and you'll find uh, a cassette tape by a one Jello shot. That's me, your boy. Um, it's only like eight bucks. So is it called the Beard and Movie Cassette though? No, it's not. It's uh, mm. called Right Back. Mm. Um, Maybe one day I'll go back and find all of the beats that I've used on Beer and a Movie. So you could call it, component. and we're back. And I can call it and we're back. Uh, <laughs> that's, this is a better idea than I expected <laughs> As I, from when I started that sentence. <laughs> uh, and then I mentioned it earlier, but you can listen to me talk to my friend Blake, who lives in Los Angeles now that I don't get to see very often, uh, on the interview podcast that's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Um but I think that's it. We're going to get cracking mm-hmm. on the bonus episode here in a second, and I can't imagine what is in store. It'll be a doozy. Until mm-hmm. next time. That's all he ever wanted out of life was love. That's the tragedy of Charles Foster Kane. You see, he just didn't have any to give. <laughs>